Today we celebrate what in Christian world we call Palm Sunday. It's the day that on the Christian calendar begins Holy Week, Passion Week. The week that was set into motion that would lead ultimately to the death of Jesus. And it was this day was predicted by the prophet Zechariah in the ancient Old Testament scriptures when he talked about how the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem just as Jesus did on a donkey. And they waved palm branches in honor of him, laid palm branches down in front of him as he entered into Jerusalem that day, thus calling it Palm Sunday. They did that in honor of Jesus to signify that they believed that he was king of the Jews, and yet just days later would show that he was not just king of the Jews, but he was king of kings. And it kind of set into motion the, those final days, those final events that would lead to Jesus giving his life for us. And so this week, each day leading up to Easter weekend, next weekend, we want to help you reflect on these things, what Jesus has done for us. We want to come alongside of you and help create spaces and moments and opportunities. That's why we have put together some daily scriptures and daily readings and reflections that you can access on our app. So if you don't follow us on our app, if you don't have our app, you'll want to go get our app and you'll want to turn notifications on so that each day this week we can send you a reminder in the morning to take a few moments to read and reflect. And we won't, we won't bug you with notifications. Trust me, I don't like being bugged with that kind of stuff either. But um, you can trust us. We just want to come alongside of you and remind you to take some time to reflect on, on the meaning of this week. Now today, that basically what I want us to do is, is kind of kick that off with some reflection. I mean, you can already probably tell today's going to have a little bit different feel than what we typically do, at least in how I typically handle this time. I, I, I just wanted to kind of change it up a little bit. We're going to spend a good bit of time in the next few minutes reading through some passages of Scripture, a very long passage, actually. Probably more Scripture than I would typically read on a, on a given sermon. Because I want us to just sit in the space together and look at two of the I Am statements as we continue in this Everyday Jesus series. Two of the statements that Jesus made, I Am, that to me lay the foundation so beautifully for us to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. I want to take us to a time when John records a conversation that Jesus was having with Pharisees, again, and the religious leaders of the day. It was a conversation where he was trying to inform them 
on some things and, and also confront them. And he was using the very common shepherd and sheep analogies that Jesus often did. And, and we've talked about this before. And, you know, that's what Psalm 23 was all about. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, lots of shepherd and sheep analogies. And in the first century, this was just a very common part of their world. Not so much for us in America today. I mean, in other parts of the world, yes, especially in the Middle East. And so when Jesus is talking about shepherds and sheep and all that kind of stuff, they knew very well what he was talking about, at least the analogy itself. Now, what he was, the point he was trying to make with it, they were a little fuzzy on that. We'll see it together. But John records that Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen, where the sheep are, by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Now he jumps right in and <laughs> immediately they would go, okay, well, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. I mean, the sheep are in a pen. There's a fence kind of thing. And there's a gate and a thief and a robber is not going to use the gate, right? Because the gate's guarded by the gatekeeper. A thief or a robber is going to come get the sheep by jumping over the fence, tunneling under the fence. You know, everybody kind of was tracking with Jesus at this point. You, you and I need to remember those two words, thief and robber. We'll come back to that in a minute and clarify that a little bit more. But he goes on. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay, makes sense. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. That, that's a healthy relationship there between a shepherd and a sheep. That's what happens. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger, a thief or a robber. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Again, everybody there's going, okay, okay, yeah, what, but why are we talking about sheep and shepherd? In fact, John writes that Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I mean, they understood the sheep stuff and the shepherd stuff. They understood what he, everything he was saying. They, it was a regular part of their world. But the point he was making, and they, they weren't getting it yet. And so Jesus got really clear. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, look at this, I am the gate for the sheep. Wait a second. Jesus is not talking about just shepherd and sheep in general. He's talking about something different. He's talking about himself. He says, I am the gate that the sheep go in and out of. I mean, he's not talking about just regular sheep. He must be talking about something else. Then he goes on. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Right? There's that thieves and robbers thing again. And there's several of them. There's a bunch of them. They're plural, right? All who have come before me, not just one. That's very important. We'll come to that in a minute. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't listen to them. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. So he's contrasting himself with these thieves and robbers. Who are these thieves and robbers that Jesus is talking about? Well, first of all, a lot of us forget that 
When Jesus started ministering in the first century, claiming to be the Messiah, the sent one from God, and doing all these miracles, there were other people in the area that saw this as an opportunity to make a name for themselves. So there were other false messiahs trying to make a name for themselves in the first century. When they saw the notoriety that Jesus was getting, the popularity that Jesus was having, and how crowds, thousands of people would follow him from place to place to place at times, they were like, man, they saw it as an opportunity to make a name for themselves and to make some money and to gain fame selfishly. And even would try to simulate miracles through magic and, and other things just to try to draw attention to themselves. But they were out for themselves. They were not out to help the people as Jesus was. Jesus said, they're like thieves and robbers. He was also referring to the Pharisees who were all about themselves, all about their own piety, all about their own holiness, all about establishing their own righteousness through their own works of goodness. So Jesus is contrasting himself with that group of people who were just out for themselves. Jesus said, no, I'm the gate. He goes on, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Whoever comes in through me, I am the gate, will be saved. Now that word saved there, he's not talking about eternal salvation. This is not about heaven and hell and, and going to heaven one day when you die. Most of the time the word save or saved is used in the New Testament. It's not referencing um, heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff. And often we see that word saved and we, and we automatically go there. No, he, he's talking about what he just explained. When people, when the sheep come through me, they will be able to come in and go out and find pasture. They will be able to do sheep things. They will have their needs met. They will be able to relax and just function as sheep do. They will be saved in the fact that they will be safe. There will be safety. They can relax and just be sheep with me because I have their best interest at heart. I am the gate. I'm not like people who are out for themselves. And then this passage of Scripture goes to a point where one of the most familiar passages of Scripture is, is coming up next. And, and even if you're not a Christian, you, um, you, you may have heard Christians use these phrases. And if you're a follower of Jesus, oh yeah, this is plaque on the wall, bumper sticker kind of stuff, this next part, okay? Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy but I have come that they who's they the sheep the sheep may have life and have it to the full now we'll talk about in a minute in just a few minutes before we're done what Jesus meant by I have come that they may have life and have it to the full uh, some translations translate that have life more abundantly and we'll talk about the abundant life in a, in a minute but I'm going to come back to the thief almost all of us <laughs> would hear this and go, oh yeah, he's talking about Satan. The thief is Satan, the Satan, he's the devil. He's talking about the devil. No, he's not. Not in this context. Now, Satan certainly is a thief, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the thieves and the robbers. He's contrasting himself to the people that are out for their own good, not for the good of the sheep. 
They're out to make a name for themselves, not for the good of the people. And if you follow Jesus around, it was very clear that he was out for the good of others, not to make a name for himself. He says, the thieves, they, they kill, steal, and destroy. He said, I've come that they may have life. Why? Because he goes on. Because I am the good shepherd. So he said, I am the gate. Now he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. See what he's doing? See how he's contrasting the thieves and the robbers who come out for themselves and just to make a name for themselves and to draw attention to themselves. And he says, no, I'm the good shepherd and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have the sheep's best interest at heart. And then he gives one more analogy. He said, the hired hand is not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Once more, he's, he's giving them a contrast that all of them understand. And Jesus said, I am not out for myself. He says, the hired hand... The one that's just there for a job, he has to be there when trouble comes. He hightails it out of there because he's out for himself. Jesus says, no, no, I'm not like that at all. I am the good shepherd. Says it again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as fathers know me. And I know the father. And he said it again. I lay my life down. He's wanting to make sure. So he's repeating himself. I lay my life down for the sheep. Now this next part I think is fascinating. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now what's he getting at? I mean at this point they must have been looking around at one another going, other sheep, sheep pen. Yeah. What Jesus is referring to here is the sheep, the people, his followers, that were not of Jewish descent. All of his people there, they're all Jewish people and of the family and tribe of Israel and the nation of Israel. And Jesus is saying, I've got other sheep too that are not here and now, and I'll bring them along. He's prophetically referring to the day when Jesus would offer his forgiveness and his plan, the gospel, to the world, to Gentiles too, to non-Jewish people, basically people like me and you. Now, most of us here are not of Jewish descent. Maybe you are, and that, that's really cool. I'd love to meet you. But uh, most of us would not be of Jewish descent living in this part of the world. And Jesus is saying one day there's going to be followers that are not of this nation, referring to that day when people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation will follow him. He's referring to me and you. This reminds me, reminds me of when Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, a little bit later on, and he's referring to us, those of us who would believe in him that would come much later. So he's talking about me, me sheep, you sheep, us sheep. Bah. Right? Let me hear a bah. Y'all good? That's us, yeah. yeah. He's talking about us here. But look what he said. He said, they will listen to my voice and they will be one flock. They will be one flock. And they'll have one shepherd. This is not what we're talking about today, but it 
it does trouble me how we've lost sight of being one flock. Oh yeah, we're all about one shepherd, but, but we like our divisions, right? We like our divisions and our categories and we divide ourselves up, even as people of God. You know, when, in John chapter 17, let me refer to it again. When Jesus was praying for his disciples and all of us who would believe in him after, many years after, you know what his prayer was? He said, Father, I want you to make them one. Make them one. May they be one. May they be unified. We've lost that. We've lost that. So we've divided ourselves up in denominations, in political parties, in categories, because we just don't agree. We can't get along. We see things differently. We've lost sight that the vision, the goal that Jesus had was for us to be one, one flock. He goes on, said, the reason my father loves me and is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Interesting, he's, he's actually referring to the resurrection there. <laughs> they had no idea what he was talking about. No one takes it from me. I lay my life down of my own accord and have the authority to lay it down and have the authority to take it up again. This command is what I received from my Father. So Jesus is talking about something that probably not until weeks after this, after the death, burial, and resurrection, that they were reflecting back on and going, wait a second, that must have been what he was talking about. Wait a second. He laid his life down and he took it up again. Good shepherd. So Jesus makes two statements. He said, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I think it's a beautiful way for us to prepare our hearts and minds for the Easter weekend celebration coming up as we will go into this week, this holy week, this passion week. Jesus said, I'm the gate. Now, if you're in a field, walking through the woods, going down a dirt road, and you come up on a gate, that's typically not a welcome sight, is it? Because often we assume gates are to keep people and things out. You can't come in. This is a gate. That's not how Jesus wants people to see him. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. When you come to the Father, you come in through me. You come through me. And so when you think Jesus being the gate, don't think he's the gate keeping people out. No, he's the gate. Think access. He's the way in. He's the way in. It's not a restrictive thing. It's not an exclusive thing. It's like the gate is open. The gate is open for all who want to come through him. I am the gate. It's all access. Remember he said, I'm the gate so that the sheep can come in and go out and find pasture and lay down and rest 
It's all in Jesus. I'm the gate. And then he said, I'm the good shepherd. And the reason he called himself the good shepherd is because as the good shepherd, he lays his life down for the sheep. Again, these concepts must have had people scratching their heads. It says, come on, it's just sheep. It's just sheep. Who would, what kind of shepherd would lay his own life down for sheep? I mean, sheep are a dime a dozen, right? I mean, okay, wolf comes, gets the sheep. You lose some money. You don't want that to happen, but you get more sheep. And Jesus says, no, that, I'm the good shepherd. I'm, it's different with me. I will lay my life down. And literally days after Jesus said this, he did just that. He laid his life down on a cross. Willingly. Yes, they killed him. Yes, they crucified him. But he, of his own will and volition, self-sacrificed himself and submitted himself to the cross because of his love for us. So I think maybe the best way to kind of summarize everything we've just read, Jesus' statement that I am the gate, then I'm the good shepherd, to prepare us as, as we celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the coming days, is to know that what Jesus was getting at is that he gave his life for us so that he could give his life to us. As the good shepherd, as the gate, he laid his life down for us so that he could impart his life to us. Willingly offered himself, proving that yes, he is in fact the gate. He is the good shepherd. All you got to do is look at the cross, get a picture of what Jesus did for us and go, yes, that's different. I want you to get that. I want you to see that. I want you to see it beyond the information of it, okay? You know, it's kind of like Christmas. Everybody knows, you know, Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem, nativity scene. Oh, how cute. We got the little figurines, you know, we do the decorations and everything. And so it's one thing to know that, but it's another thing to, at Christmas time to go, you know what though? God sent Jesus to earth for me. This is about God reaching me. So when we come to Easter, we come to the death of Jesus, a lot of times people get, they got the information. Yeah, I know Jesus. I know Jesus died on the cross. I know, yeah, I know he died on the cross, pay for my sins. Yeah, I know that. But wait, wait, it's a whole nother thing. They're like, wait a second. He did that for me. In 2023, I'm one of those sheep that he looked way into the future and saw who, would, who could believe in him, who could trust in him, who could follow his voice and come in through him as the gate and receive his love as the good shepherd. He was thinking of me and us. See, it's a whole different level. I want you to internalize it. He gave his life for you, for all of us, so that he could give his life to us, impart his life to us. Now, 
Now get this. I, I want to go back to what we just said a few minutes ago. That, that verse, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Again, he's talking about those thieves and robbers, false messiahs and Pharisees. He says, but I have come that the sheep would have life and have it to the full. I want to give them life in all of its fullness or life abundantly or abundant life. And so that's a very interesting concept because a lot of times Christians, people like me and you, and, and I've been there, we read that and we go, well, that'd be nice. I'd love to have some abundant life. Bring it on. Where's the abundant life? Because we hear that and that sounds all good and everything, but then we look around at the lives we live and we go, I, I don't think I got that. I got bills. I got problems. I got pain. I got marriage challenges. I got issues with my kids. I got cancer. I got taxes. I got war. We've got disasters. We've got issues and I've got depression and I, I've got anxiety. I, I've got, I don't think this is abundant. I don't, and we hear people talk about, you know, the abundant life, the abundant life and, or the life to the full and life to the full. Well, notice what Jesus said, what he didn't say. He wasn't saying when he said, I have come that they may have abundant life. He wasn't talking about a quality of life based upon circumstances. He wasn't promising some easy, comfortable life. And a lot of people assume he was. What he was saying is, I have come that people would have life full of meaning, full of purpose. And remember back a couple of weeks ago when we, in John chapter 14, when Jesus, we saw in this series that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. What did he say next? I am the life. So when Jesus said, I am the life, and then here he says, I have come that they may have life, what he's saying is not some quality of life based upon easy circumstances. He said, I have come that people would have me. He is life. He has come to offer himself to us, to impart his life in us, in, in spite of the pain, in spite of the problems, in spite of the issues. You ever noticed, and maybe you haven't, and probably haven't, somebody like me would have to point it out to a, someone like me would, you know, that, that studies this stuff and maybe, you know, maybe this escapes us. It escapes me, I have to remind myself of this right here. Did you know that the majority of the followers of Jesus in the world are very poor? The majority of Christians live in poverty. We don't get that. We look around in our first world American lives and we go, yeah, this is what, this is it, man. This is great. And no, no. So if you're living in a third world country, looking for clean water, looking for food, and you don't have all the cushy stuff that we have, do you have life to the full? When it's void of all the circumstances that we often assume the abundant life is about, yes, you do have life to the full, not because of a quality or a circumstance, but you have life to the full because you have Jesus. And Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, me, myself. I offer you a life of substance because of my presence. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I have come that I would lay my life down as the good shepherd and as the gate, and then I offer myself to you. It's a whole different way of understanding 
what Jesus came to do. We have him. And listen, that's what makes life meaningful. That's what makes life purposeful, is that we have him, we have Jesus. Maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're looking at this from the outside, you go, why would I follow Jesus? They have the same problems I have. They have the same issues I have. Their kids are just as challenged and my, their marriages are just as screwed up and they, got, you know, they get the same kind of cancers and the same heart attacks. And yeah, 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 because Jesus didn't, that's heaven. What you're looking for and what we're all desiring, that's the kingdom, that's heaven, that's eternity in the future. Right now, the difference between trusting and following Jesus and not is who's with you. Jesus says, I offer you myself. That makes the difference. So when you go through pain, when you go through problems, when the wolves come, when the issues happen, when tragedy descends on you, you can still live with meaning and purpose because you have the good shepherd with you. You know, this sets Christianity apart from every other world religion, what we're talking about here. What sets Christianity apart from every other religion, among other things, but this one thing, is that with Christianity, the God, the divine, offers himself first to the people and then invites the people to respond. And all of the world religions, you boil it down, it's like, okay, what can you do for the divine? What can you do for the holy? What can you do for God? In hopes that God would then respond to you. Now, Jesus laid his life down first for us. And later on, John in his old age would write in the letter, 1 John, he, we love him. We love him because he first loved us. Yeah. He gave his life for us so that he could give his life to us. So we respond. How do we respond? Oh, if you're trusting and following Jesus, your heart should be filled with so much gratitude. Out of trust, out of faith and reliance on him. We have him and we live our lives as a life of worship and response. But what if, what if you're sitting here and you're joining us and you're like, okay, I've never seen it like that. That makes a lot of sense. And maybe you haven't made the decision yet. To the best of your ability, put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. I want to invite you to do that. Say, so how do I do that? I'm ready. I get it. I, I get it. I see. I see. And man, that, this is different. I, I, I thought Christianity was just a bunch of rules. I thought it was just, you know, being good, not being bad. And I, I've never seen what Jesus did. And I get it. And, and I want to experience that meaningful, purposeful life, not free of problems, but that meaningful, purposeful life with the presence of Jesus with me through it all. I, I, I want that. Well, then tell Jesus that right now in your own words. To tell him, I trust you as my Savior. I want to follow you as my King, as my Lord. I want, to, I want to live my life in response to you giving your life for me and offering your life to me.
Yeah. Maybe that's your next step. I invite you to take it right now. For those of you that have been following Jesus for many years, may this serve as the foundation for your worship this week. As we leave here, this is a part of worship, but worship really happens when we leave here, how we live our lives in response to what the Good Shepherd has done for us. Let's pray. Your Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your Son. And Jesus, thank you for giving yourself willingly with the authority that you had to lay your life down for us so that you would rise again and offer your life to us. Thank you for being the gate. May we come in through you. Thank you for being the good shepherd. Thank you for giving us what we could have never experienced any other way. Thank you for loving us first so that we can learn how to love you. Thank you for forgiving us ahead of time so that we could experience how to live in that forgiveness. Thank you for giving your life for us and then giving your life to us. And for my friends that are just now understanding that clearly for the first time and they're putting their trust in you and putting their faith in you for the first time, may you hear their prayers as you have promised to and may they know that you are forgiving them and you are saving them and you are working with them and in them and through them and you're ready to journey right alongside them. And may those of us who have been following you all this time, may we never forget, may we always remember what you have done as our gate, as our good, good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.